Well, I want to just share for a few minutes this morning about something that's, that's been on my mind. I realized whenever it was that we last met, what was that, two weeks ago, before the snow came, I realized that we, in studying through Matthew, had kind of left out a couple of verses. We studied Matthew 14 on a, on a Wednesday night, and we got as far as verse 21 and stopped there, and then on Sunday morning we continued at verse 22, talking about Jesus walking on the water. Well, the story of Jesus walking on the water ends at verse 33, where those who were in the boat worshipped Him, saying, You are certainly God's Son. And that's where we stopped. I looked and realized there are three verses at the end of 14 we didn't touch, so I figured, oh, well, we'll just cover those on a Wednesday night coming up. But these three verses really stuck in my head. And I've continued to go back to them over and over across the last couple of weeks and think about them and their significance and what's being said. So I'd like to do those three verses this morning. We're just going to look at three. Verses 34, 35, and 36 of Matthew chapter 14. But first, let's pray together. Father, we are so blessed by Your Word, by holding in our hands the truth. Father, by this this cloud of witnesses that You have given us in the Scriptures, every verse that testifies Jesus about You, as You said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book it is written of Me, and truly it is, Lord. And not just the stories as we've seen, not just the stories about you, Lord Jesus, or your words and teaching, but we have discovered that every verse points us to you as our Savior. And we praise you for the wonder of this book, of this love letter that you've written to us. And we thank you so much for considering across time how to best present yourself to us, both in the person of Jesus Christ, but also in the written word, the Bible. And we thank you this morning we can gather around and listen to your word and consider it some more. I pray, Father, that it will be bread for hungry souls and that it will be drink and that you will fill us up this morning, even with these short few verses, as we continue to think about Jesus and, Lord, as we continue to love you more. Bless this time now, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So they've just experienced, the apostles that is, the walking of Jesus on the water, which is an an amazing event, an an incredible, fantastic thing. And those who are in the boat, again, verse 33, worshipped Him saying, You are certainly God's Son. They're starting to get it. The apostles are starting to put two and two together, and they're no longer getting five or nine or eleven, they're getting four. They're figuring out that Jesus truly is Mashiach, the Hebrew for Messiah. Savior, anointed one. But when they land, in verse 34, when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word into all that surrounding district and brought to him all who were sick. And they implored him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And watch this. As many as touched it were cured. Now, this is interesting to me. We've seen this before. This is not the uh, first time someone's touched the hem of Jesus' robe and been instantaneously healed. Now, I have to admit to you, I've never seen this before. If you ask me, when was it that somebody touched the hem of Jesus' robe and was healed, I take you to Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 9, and verse 20, just back a few chapters, where it says, 
a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage, your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. Luke tells us about this story as well in in Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. He talks about this story. Matthew tells us of this story. This woman who had been bleeding, literally hemorrhaging, for 12 years. Luke tells us she had exhausted all of her money, all of her resources, to try and find a doctor who could help her stop this horrific bleeding that had been going on. I don't know if you have dealt with a long-term illness. I had a, a grandmother, passed away in... Oh, wow, 1983, I believe it was, who the last 16 years of her life, she was bedridden because of cancer. 16 years of dealing with this long, ongoing disease. She was, by the way, one of the most joyful people I've ever known. One of the most godly women I've ever met. Had a dramatic impact on my life. But if you think in terms of long-term illness, many of us have had illnesses. Sometimes we've had them go on for a period of time. But 12 years this woman had been dealing with this. 12 years she had been literally unclean in the sight of Israel. Based on the law, because of this bleeding, which normally would send a woman outside of the camp until it was done, 12 years she had dealt with this. She would lost all of her money. She had no hope. She was unclean. She was outcast. And yet she thought, if I can just touch the hem of his robe, I'll be healed. And indeed she was. Her faith made her well. Jesus said so. But I thought that was the only time. I figured this was the only story. And then coming back to Matthew chapter 14, we see it wasn't just one woman who touched the hem of his robe and was healed. It was many people. As many as touched it were cured. What is the significance of this? And why is it that the people of Israel will be going after the hem of the robe? Now, you Bible students may have heard a little about, a bit about this, but, but let's look at this for a moment. Go back to the old days. Exodus 28. Turning your Bibles all the way back to Exodus 28. As God is giving the children of Israel the law and the standards and, and how the priests were going to be dressed and what was going to happen in the tabernacle. And he describes all of the furniture in the tabernacle as well, going through piece by piece, all seven pieces of furniture that would adorn that. And then very specifically, he talks about the garments of the priest and what they were to look like and how they were to be adorned. And in verse 31 of Exodus chapter 28, it says, You shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. All of blue. There shall be an opening at its top, in the middle of it, around its opening, there shall be a binding of woven work like the opening of a coat of mail, so that it will not be torn. You should make on its hem, verse 33, pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet material all around its hem, and bells of gold between them all around. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate all around the hem of the robe. I love this. It shall be on Aaron when he ministers, and its tinkling shall be heard when he enters and leaves the holy place before the Lord so that he will not die. So the tinkling sound was was a sign to God, who knew all things anyway, but it was a sign to God that here comes Aaron. Don't strike him dead. It was a sign to Aaron and the Israelites that Aaron was still alive. Now this is an interesting piece of historical truth that that the other priests who were outside of the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, would stand there and they could listen and hear those tinkling bells on the robe of the high priest and know, okay, he hasn't been struck dead. If the tinkling sound stopped, bad news. 
There's a death in the most holy place. And so it was a sign. And we talked about back when we studied Exodus, and I'll just point this out. It's, it's interesting to me how all the way around the hem of this robe, there was a pomegranate, different colors, and then a bell. And a pomegranate, and a bell, and a pomegranate, and a bell. And these things signified, gang, the Holy Spirit. Both aspects of the Holy Spirit. For each of the pomegranates, the pomegranate is a fruit, which reminds us of the fruit of the Spirit. The bells were a witness that the man was still alive, not struck down by the Spirit. The bells spoke of the living priest going into the most holy place, offering prayers for the people of Israel. And the bells were a witness of the Spirit, kind of like the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts testify and witness that the Holy Spirit is active and alive and at work among us. And the fruit testifies to the truth that the Holy Spirit is within me. I point this out once again. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the attributes of a Spirit-filled person. Not power, not manifestations of wonder and amazing glory, but the fruit of the Spirit. This shows that the Holy Spirit is active and alive and at work in your life. Well, let's go to another place. From Exodus, we move over to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 15. Still considering the hem of the robe, for it wasn't just the high priest who was to have that special and unique hem. And that hem, by the way, spoke of the authority of the high priest. It was a certain sign that the man wearing this robe had a, had a certain degree of authority on him. Well, Numbers chapter 15, verse 38, tells us this extended to all the men of Israel. Verse 37 of Numbers 15, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and tell them that they shall make for themselves tassels on the corners, or in the King James Version it says fringes, same idea here, on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and that they shall put on the tassel of each corner a cord of blue. So each man was to have on the corner of their robes in four places a tassel of blue that came down. Why? Because blue was a signification of of heaven. Blue in in the Bible signifies or points to heaven and eternity. And for the Israelite to walk with those tassels it would be a constant reminder of where he was headed. That he was a pilgrim. He, He wasn't here for long term. This was a stop on the way to the greater eternity that God had provided for him. Those tassels of blue. It's, it's kind of why, why I wear blue jeans today because I want to be reminded as a pastor <laughs> that I'm going to heaven. I'm headed out that way. And that's the whole idea. And gang, we are headed to heaven. And the tassels of blue and the fringe of the robe was a reminder to everyone in Israel you're going to heaven. You're not here for long. Keep your focus on heaven. Keep your mind on things above. Look to eternity. Don't look to the now. And it's something we struggle with in the church. And it's something we struggle with as Christians. Getting so caught up in now. In today. We talk about the woman with the hemorrhage for 12 years. What was her primary concern across 12 years? Getting healed now. It's hard to think about heaven when you're suffering now. It's hard to look to a a future of hope and promise when you have heartache now. And yet the Lord would say, think about the tassels of blue. Think about the hem of the robe and look to eternity. 
So it meant something to the people of Israel to touch the hem of Jesus' robe. By the way, by the time Jesus came along, what the men of Israel did was in addition to these four tassels of blue, they added all kinds of woven embroidery on the hem of their robe to signify their position in the community. A very wealthy man could have gold actually sewn in. Or might have other uh, little symbols that showed what kind of business. I don't know if a carpenter maybe had little hammers all the way around. I don't know. But I know that they had, it was a sign of the authority of the man and his place in the community. What was woven on his robe all the way around. So to the Jewish person, to see Jesus and to think, if I'm going to touch him anywhere for healing, I'm going for the hymn. Because the hymn spoke of authority. It was the authority of Christ that the woman reached out for. It was the authority of Christ that all these people back in Matthew 14, as many as touched it were cured. They were reaching for the fringe. They were imploring Him. They were begging Him. Look, you don't even have to touch us. You don't even have to pray over us. Just let us touch the hem of your robe. And as Jesus walked and moved through the crowd, they would just reach out and grab onto the hem. And as many as touched it, the Bible tells us, were cured. Incredible. The King James Version says as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Cured, perfectly whole, what is that word? In the Greek, the word there for cured is diasodzo. Diasodzo. Now what's neat about the Greek language is you can take a word and oftentimes it's a, it's a combination of a couple of words to say something new. Diasodzo is a combination of two words. Dia, which means because of, and sodzo. You Bible students may recognize that word. It means salvation. It's our word for salvation. Anytime salvation is talked about in the scripture, it's the word sozo. Because of salvation. As many as touched it were cured. They were saved. They were healed. It meant because of salvation. To touch the hem of Christ's robe. For us to come to Jesus in faith and to touch Him, not just His Him, but to touch Him, was to touch, is to touch salvation. It's to, to enjoy and to experience a perfect healing. A complete curing of what really ails us in our lives, and that's sin. We come to Jesus, we touch His Him, and we are saved, we are cured, we are perfectly made whole. Jude chapter 1, verse 24 says, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. I love that Jude writes that. He is able to keep you. He is able, in other words, to make sure that your salvation is a permanent thing. It is a complete, a total healing. So why do we still suffer? With everything from coughs to cancer. Why is it still hard? And if we've received a perfect healing... If I've touched Him in faith and I'm supposed to be now cured, perfectly whole, why? Why is it still difficult for us? Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 15. Paul explains this beautifully in verse 50. Paul says, I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. And this perishable must put on the imperishable. And this mortal must put on immortality. When this perishable 
puts on the imperishable, and when this mortal puts on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm reminded every day that the sin in this world has given me, has caused me to have a corrupt body. Just this morning as I have my little juice and my tea, I had to pour out the pills that I take every day now. I'm 44 years old and I'm taking daily pills. This is not right. This is bondering. I had to take the glucosamine chondroitin, you know, big, huge horse pills that I have to choke down every morning because they're supposed to help out with joint health. And I think they kind of do. It's either the pills or it's my mind. And I have to take one of those little aspirins, a little 81 milligram. Because of the, the little heart thing that happened to me this last year, the doctor said, I want you to be taking that every day. And I'm thinking, this is just pathetic. I'm a, I'm a, sal- a saved man. I have salvation. But I'm not perfectly whole. What's, what's going on here? And Paul says, you know what, your body is not going to get you there. It's never going to get you there. You realize we can experience as Christians healing, real physical healing from disease, but we're still going to die. Just an encouraging thought for you. And when we in the church talk about revival and talk about healing and talk about people, you know, having sickness done away with, that's wonderful, but you're still going to die. Your body is still rotting away. And I think about the hem of the garment that is focusing us not on... It's not made of brown to make us think of the earth. It's made of blue to focus us on heaven because that's where the full and total cure happens. That's when this perishable puts on the imperishable and I am 100% 100 healed. I may suffer for a few days. Getting sick this winter. I I may get an illness that lasts weeks or as the woman did, decades. But I am going to heaven. And whether I receive a miraculous healing here on this earth or not, the greater healing is yet to come. I am going to have a perfect healing. You know, ours is the first generation in the church that does not primarily teach about heaven. I read that and I I was surprised. Ours is the first generation in the church where the focus of most preaching is not on heaven. The focus of most preaching is earthly healing or physical well-being or financial blessing or how what we're studying this morning is going to impact you through this week. How this is going to make today better in your life. That's where the focus in most of the church is. Not on heaven. In every previous generation across 2,000 years, the church has talked about and pointed to heaven has focused on heaven, being with Jesus, where we're supposed to go, not where we are right now. And we have gotten our focus off of the hymn and onto the ground. And it's tragic. All the stuff that's being taught is going to rot like garbage. There is only one thing. Faith in Jesus Christ that will be to all eternity. Our spirits changed and made immortal. Our bodies raised up, changed, and made imperishable. And that's what matters. And that's where we're headed. And that's what I believe Jesus wants us to focus on. He said, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You don't need to worry about all these things. And so it tells us that as many as touched it, the hem of His robe, were cured. 
I think this little three-verse illustration, this story here, that truly did happen, Matthew includes for a reason. To remind us that all I have to do is reach out and touch Jesus in faith, and I will receive a perfect, eternal healing. I will never again die. I may die on this earth. I hope not. I hope Jesus comes before I die. That's my plan. That's what I'm looking forward to. But I may yet die. Still, I will live forever. Because I've touched the hem of His robe. Philippians 1.6 says, I am confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus. So let me just encourage you all. Pray for healing. Seek healing. Pray for each other. And in the church, look for every way possible that we can intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters. Cry out to God that He will take away sickness and disease and death. But know, know that you will live forever with Jesus. And that's the healing that we look most forward to. Let's pray. Jesus, what great joy we have in knowing where we're going. What incredible peace. Father, it doesn't seem to matter. Whatever happens on this earth, anything from flat tires to major illness, Lord, it just doesn't matter when we know where we're going. And I thank You, Lord, that in this time together You've reminded us of this. The blue of the tassels, the blue of heaven. The authority, Jesus, that You, that you showed as You took the chains of death and, and shattered them and opened up the way eternal that our perishable will be able to put on imperishable in the twinkling of an eye. And Jesus, I ask that You do that. That You come quickly. And in the meantime, I pray that You will give us such a passion for people who haven't yet touched the Him that they will know You and come to faith in You until You call us all home. In Jesus' name, Amen.